0: We began last Lord's Day evening uh, a study of the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit and I want us to continue there this evening. We we turn to John chapter 17 as just a touching point and a starting point. I'll be referring to several verses of scripture but let's begin reading there in verse 13 of John chapter 17 our Lord's high priestly prayer of intercession for us as he's headed toward the cross and he's looking forward to the work of the Holy Spirit after he has Ascended into heaven, the promise of the Spirit would come. In verse thirteen of John seventeen, and now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have joy, that my, may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them Thy word, and the world hated, hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. And we might ask the question, how would that be? How will he, that prayer be brought to pass? They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And then he tells us, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone. Praise his name. We're included here, are we not? But for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Let us ask the Lord's blessing upon His Word. Lord, this is Your Word, the very Word of God, and we pray that the Holy Spirit, who moved upon men to pen these words for our learning and for our admonition and for our sanctification, that He would open our hearts and minds to this glorious truth, we pray in Your precious name. Amen. Sanctification is one of the glorious privileges of the child of God and with every privilege is a great responsibility the scripture teaches us. Sanctification is a work that only the Holy Spirit can perform it is a result of our union with Christ. Romans 15:16 speaks of us being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Our statement of faith says those who have been regenerated are also sanctified. By God's word and spirit dwelling in them, this sanctification is progressive through the supply of divine strength, which all saints seek to obtain, pressing after a heavenly life in cordial obedience to all of Christ's commands. As we've seen, the word sanctify means to set apart, to single out for a specific and guarded purpose. It denotes ownership. I sanctify my toothbrush, it is mine, it is set apart for my use alone. And we could use, and in the classical Greek, the word sanctify was used for, in many ways, but the the key idea is something was owned by someone and it was set apart for their use alone. It deals with the believer and sin. Because although we have been saved from sin and the Bible teaches us that the power or the authority of sin over us has been broken through the, the Lord's work at Calvary, sin is a very real part of our daily lives and it must be dealt with. The Lord did not save us and then left us here alone to struggle and to deal with this sin without the, the resources, the divine resources that are needed And so our Lord tells us in these verses leading up to the text that we read tonight that I'm going to to leave you, but I'm going to send another in my place who will be just as I am. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. He will convict you of sin. He will indwell you. He will teach you. He will sanctify you by my truth. This work begins at the moment of conversion. And it continues and ends in our glorification where we are absolutely perfected. It is a work, I repeat, of the Holy Spirit using the Word of God in cooperation with the individual believer. We might say there are two parts of sanctification. First of all, to the unsaved, and it is in that regard a positional sanctification, or the work of the Holy Spirit bringing the lost sinner to a place of believing on Christ for salvation. It is the Holy Spirit that baptizes us, literally places us into the body of Christ, and that is the positional work of the, the Holy Spirit in sanctification. The second part is what we refer to as progressive because it is an ongoing and continual work in the life of a believer where we grow in the knowledge of our Savior And in in the likeness of Him, remember the Scripture tells us that it is God's goal to conform us to the image of His Son. 1 Peter 1 verse 2 addresses this positional sanctification where Peter describes it to us, "...elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ." God the Father elects or chooses us in eternity past. He chooses the sinner to save him and then to so work in that sinner's heart so as to set him apart for the Lord's own use, for the Lord's abode. The Holy Spirit of God comes in and dwells these bodies and for his own work. It is the Holy Spirit who does the sanctifying and the setting apart. This setting apart of the Spirit unto obedience, as Peter describes it, Uh, It results in the obedience of the sinner in the faith or to the faith. And so there's no such thing as a sanctification that does not lead in the obedience of the gospel and obedience to the Lord. This call is effectual in that it is effectively brings that sinner to a saving knowledge. First of all, a saving knowledge of Christ and then begins that inner heart work of conforming him to the image of Christ. God, the father, the father elects the sinner, God the Spirit brings him to saving faith, and God the Son cleanses the sinner from his sin. And so we have it in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, God from the beginning chose, has chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth, whereinto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think of it, to obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a prospect. This is heavenly ground that we're on. After we are set apart by salvation, some would think that there, there it ends. And they speak of their salvation as a, a work in the past. I was saved. And we looked back to that, that time where we were made aware of our lost condition and where we were brought to faith in Christ. And what a glorious day that was. But that was just the beginning. The beginning. That was the commencement of this work of sanctification in our lives. First Thessalonians chapter five and verse 23. "And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly or entirely, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the work of the Spirit setting the believer apart from sin. And you must see the picture here. Not only are we saved from sin, there's a continual setting us apart from sin. This is the Spirit's work to show us what sin is, to show us the remedy of sin, to show us the truth about all things, the Word of God. And then there's a constant setting us apart from sin and to the Savior. His work is to help the believer to put sin out of our lives something we must deal with on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis. And if we listen to Him and cooperate with Him, He will help us to keep it out and to produce His fruit within us. The Holy Spirit is not in the focus here. It is tragic that some erroneously put the emphasis on the Holy Spirit as an end in Himself, but never do you see that in the Scripture. We dare not minimize the work of the Spirit, co-equal in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But never does the Holy Spirit draw attention to Himself. Never does He draw attention to His work. It is always to the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit Himself is not in the focus here in this sanctification process, although He is the the one of the Godhead who does this work. As in all things, Jesus Christ is the end of all things for the the believer. The Holy Spirit remains quietly in the background. Sir Robert Anderson writes, In proportion, therefore, as the mind and heart are fixed on Christ, we may count on the Spirit's presence and power. But if we make the Holy Ghost himself the object of our aspirations and worship, some false spirit may counterfeit the true and take us for a prey. We are to have a moment-by-moment conscious dependence upon the Lord. We say that. And what we mean by that, we're depending upon the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to sanctify us. We we trust him for guidance and for strength. And uh, uh, yielding to him for his ministry of putting sin, showing making us aware where we've grieved Him and where we have crossed the line or what we need to make amends for or repent of and of putting out of sin out of our lives and keeping it out and of irradiating the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ through us. All that's the Spirit's work. We pray, we sing that Christ may be seen in me, that the beauty of the Lord might be upon us in our work. What do we mean by that? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Only He can make Christ known. And it is His work to do that in and through us and through our every... Thought and our words and our actions while we cooperate with Him. And this is a key idea here our cooperation with the Holy Spirit. We have the same interest as He has. What is the Holy Spirit's interest? To show Jesus Christ. It is His ministry, His job, if you will, to bring Jesus Christ into focus. Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to Me. And the Holy Spirit does that. He always points to the work of the Savior the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the right of Christ to rule and reign over us and our bodies and in his church. And so the believer in this sanctification process, that same goal that Christ be seen, that Christ be Lord, that Christ be made known in all that we do, that of glorifying our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. G.D. Watson in his book, Living Words, has put it very beautifully. And you may have seen this in a tract form. I found this, thank the Lord, very early in my Christian life. I didn't really know what to do with it, but it impressed me. And as I grew in grace, I began to see the truth of this little tract. And he says this, The Holy Spirit will put a strict watch over you with a jealous love and will rebuke you for little words and feelings or for wasting your time, which other Christians may never seem distressed over. So make up your mind that God is an infinite sovereign and has a right to do as He pleases with His own. He may not explain to you a thousand things which puzzle your reason in His dealings with you, but if you absolutely sell yourself to be His love slave, He will wrap you up in a jealous love and bestow upon you many blessings which come only to those who are in this inner circle. Settle it then forever that you are to deal directly with the Holy Spirit, and that He is to have the privilege of tying your tongue. We could pause there and have a Bible conference. (laughs) Or chain your hand, or closing your eyes in ways that He does not seem to deal with others. Now, when you are so possessed with the living God that you are in your secret heart pleased and delighted over this peculiar, personal, private, jealous guardianship and management of the Holy Spirit over your life, you will have found the very vestibule of heaven. The Holy Spirit is the one who does this. It is His office to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ in us. We must not think of the Holy Spirit, some erroneously teach, as water fills a bottle or uh, air in a vacuum. Some teach about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, and you cannot speak of the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit without speaking of His filling, the, the filling of the Spirit, because it's clearly taught in the Scripture. But sometimes we erroneously make our understanding of current English usage and teach doctrine from it, and it can be confusing, and this is one of those areas. When you and I think of something filling something, we think of getting more of that entity or thing, water filling a glass or anger uh, or taking over. But we must not look at that in a capacity as like there's a vessel that needs more of the object to fill it. The, the heart of a Christian is not a receptacle, to be emptied in order that the Holy Spirit might fill it. The Holy Spirit is not a substance to fill an empty receptacle. He is a person. He is the part, third part of the Godhead. He is a person to control another person, the believer. He does not fill a Christian's life with himself. He controls that person. And that's what that word filling means, to be controlled by the holy spirit of god and you see that brings things into focus we are not to pray that we have more of something we already have at conversion we are placed in christ and his spirit immediately comes to indwell in us we may not fully understand all that at the point of salvation but that's what takes place and this inner residence begins to do his work within us to set us apart for christ The heart, we know here, is a symbol to refer to the inner man, the hidden man, the mind, the will, the emotion, the reasons. All of that is the real you. And it is that which the Holy Spirit needs and seeks to control. So the Holy Spirit possesses or controls our actions, our rational thinking, our emotional activities of the believer... And in doing so, he has said the believer is said to be filled with him, or "controlled by." We could, we could submit that phrase "controlled by" when we see the word "filled with the spirit, and that's what the, the scripture is teaching. He brings all these into the place of obedience and conforms us to the word of God. The Holy Spirit uses as his means to do this, the very thing that he uses to bring us to faith in Christ. The living Word of God, the seed of the Word of God. That's what brought about our conversion. And the Word of God, in the Holy Spirit using it, will bring about our sanctification. There's no such thing as growing in grace or in sanctification without the utilization of the Word of God in our lives. Is it not called the Word, the sword of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit? inspired the word. You cannot divorce these two. They where you find one, you find the other, and they do not work apart from the other. The believer is exhorted, we see the command in the scripture to be filled with the Spirit. That is not a suggestion. That is a command for every believer. Be not drunk with wine. The negative, don't be what? Controlled by the substance of alcohol. That's the negative part. He gives us that very graphic picture to tell us what the second part of that command means. Don't be controlled by, we can say anything, but what? Be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. And mark it down, believer, when you begin to hear teaching along this line, the old flesh, the old man, and Satan will give a thousand reasons why this can never be. He whispers in our ear, Our failures and uh, our efforts that seem to to fall and to, to fall short of this. But let me tell you, on the authority of the Word of God, wherever you see a command to the believer, there is already the wherewithal, there's already the ability to obey that command. God never gives a command that we cannot obey. And so I know. Because all of us in this area of Christian growth, of being conformed to the image of Christ, in this sanctification process, we may call it several different things. We look to our failure, to our weakness, instead of to the source of our power and strength. It is, as in all things, the Holy Spirit's work to an obedient believer. We want to be left off the hook. We want to be able to say it's impossible but our Lord has not removed the command from the Scripture, be filled with the Spirit of God. And so what do we make of that? What do we do that with that? The tendency of an unsaved person is rebellion. And a clear sign of a regenerated heart and soul is a submissiveness. Do we not see that first and foremost in the conversion of Paul? Who was filled with self, his own plan, his own agenda. But when he saw the Lord as who he was, the Lord and the Savior, the Messiah, and his conversion, what was immediately Paul's response? Lord, what will thou have me do? And so a clear sign of conversion is a submissive spirit, an attitude of wanting to know what's right, and, and, and a desire to follow the Lord and do what's right, even though it may be a struggle to do that at times. The tendency of an unsaved person is I will have my way and you'll not get in my way and no one, not even God will get in my way. I will do what I want to do. The old song says, I was a wandering sheep. I did not love the fold. I did not love my shepherd's voice. I would not be controlled. Oh, how that has changed when grace, beautiful, glorious grace, conquers a rebellious will and heart. And Jesus Christ is enthroned. This tendency is broken when a sinner is saved. we I'm not here to say that there is no struggle, there's no uh, problems there. But the tendency is broken. When we learn the teaching of, of God's word that the power of sin Though all around us and in us, and there's a struggle there, it does not have authority over us. Positionally in Christ, when Christ died, we died to sin, and that law of sin is broken over us. The believer is exhorted to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. If we're controlled, if if we're given such a command, we are duty-bound to find out how is it then are we to fulfill that command to be controlled by the holy spirit the holy spirit's ministry in the believer is to maintain the actual experience of the believer that god did for him at the moment of conversion there should not be this up and down up and down in periods of 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 desolation and a desert time we should be going growing in grace remember that is the biblical paradigm if you will and upward going from glory to glory from grace to grace and being conformed to the image of his son the holy spirit will always suppress the old nature he is some might describe as an inner umpire who puts on the brakes and those of us who've been saved understand what i'm saying here in that little track that i read to you about the holy spirit superintendent It's over us when we've been stricken for something we've said, some words or some deed or something that we have done. He suppresses the activities of the evil nature whose power has been broken, and he produces his fruit in our lives. Now, this is an act of faith, this control of the Holy Spirit. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Our Lord so beautifully gives us the picture, the way this is to be done, if you will, in John chapter 7 and verse 37. These are very key verses, and it's interesting because Jesus describes before the Holy Spirit has been given in his fullness at Pentecost what this process will look like in John 7 In verse 37, he lays down two simple requirements. Aren't you glad they're not 25 and that they're two and that the Lord keeps it where we all can understand it and obey it? Two requirements for the fullness of the Spirit. Let's read the Scripture and then we'll look at the requirements. If any man... What is the next word? Thirst. If any man thirst, let him come unto me... And drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers, or his inner being shall flow rivers of living water, a symbol of the Holy Spirit and his fruit produced in the life of the believer. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. He was referring to that act at the day of Pentecost, which would become the norm from that point on of the Holy Spirit placing believers in Christ, and He Himself indwelling the body of believers. This He spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on Him should pre- receive, for the Holy Ghost had not, was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. What are the two requirements here? First of all, a desire. Let me ask you tonight, do you desire for the Holy Spirit to control you? There must be a desire there. And we could pause there and say, if not, why? If you indeed are a follower of Christ, should you not desire what Christ desires for you? And if you do not desire that, therein lies part of the problem and something that must be dealt with. Lord, that's where we could start. No, I don't desire that. And that's where we should examine ourselves. Lord, am I truly a follower of you? If I do not desire what you desire of me, am I in the faith? Am I one of yours? Because you desire to rule over me and to control me, and I don't desire that. And if that's the situation, we're just dealing honestly here. If you do not desire what the Lord desires for you, are you one of His? But if you are a believer and you say, Brother Lamb, I really do. I'm struggling here. There are all kinds of problems, but I do desire for the Lord to control me. That's first base for the control or the fullness or the filling of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, there is a simple trust in the Lord Jesus for the Spirit's control. Let me ask you, how were you saved? Well, I heard the gospel. I was convicted of my sin, and I I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. We were saved by... By grace through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we see here, all of salvation is of, of faith from, and, and grace from beginning to end. We are trusting the Lord Jesus to perform His work of salvation in us. And we're trusting Him by cooperating with Him and believing on Him for Him to sanctify us. First of all, there is a thirst. We do not drink water unless we're thirsty. The problem of people as they age, the sensation of thirst may not be as strong and they become dehydrated. They just don't see a need of it. And that is a problem in the spiritual life, this thirst for the Lord and his control over us. And we do not appropriate the control of the spirit unless there's a desire for Him to control us. Have you noticed that the will of God beginning from salvation to the call of God to His work always begins with a desire that He plants within us? And So this desire for Him to control us will include, among other things, a desire for Him to cause us to judge sin in our lives and to be honest about it and to call it what He calls it and to deal with it very bluntly and severely as He says, if your hand offends you, cut it off, if your eye... Uh, if you pluck it out, those are a figurative language to show us we must deal severely with sin as it is revealed to us. Sin is a serious thing, isn't it? Are there any little sins? Is there any sin that doesn't matter? So we must deal with it as He does. We must desire for Him to cause us to judge sin. A desire that He put sin out of our lives and to keep it out. A desire that He separate us from all the ties that we might have with that, this evil system of the world. Worldliness, that philosophy, that desire for these passing things has to daily be weeded out of us. A desire that He dethrone our self-life and enthrone the Lord Jesus as the absolute Lord and Master. A desire that He produce in us His fruit. A desire that He make us Christ-like. A desire that He teach us and lead us. And guide us this is a serious thing it involves crucifixion of self and may i tell you something to, and be captain obvious here tonight self dies hard the spirit controlled life is a crucified life and so there must be that thirst i found that the thirst of the the, the, for the Lord and His things only comes by exposure to His Word. As we expose it to the preaching and the teaching of it and in, in our own private secret place where the Holy Spirit will always correct us, lead us, guide us, deal with us. How? According to somebody's philosophy, or somebody's latest book, or the latest thing produced from Nashville or wherever they come from? No, by God's Word. This is, this is our food. It's our life. It is what regenerated us by the seed of the Word of God. Not a corruptible seed, but an eternal seed. Secondly, not only is there this thirst, but secondly, a trust. He that believeth on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. There shall be the, the obvious fruit of the Holy Spirit's control within us. Not only do we trust Christ as our Savior, we trust Him as the one who fills are controlled by His Spirit. Salvation is by faith. We received our justification by faith. We are sanctified by faith. It is this control and this constant desire for the Spirit's control and a trust in the Lord Jesus to do it in our lives that results in a Spirit-controlled life. And so, as we begin each day, how do we put this into practice? And us move from theory and from teaching to the daily round of life. As we begin each day, that's where it starts. When you wake up and find out that you indeed are awake, that you're alive, that you are, have made it safely through another night, the first thought should be toward the Lord. As soon as you can get your bearings about you, I think that's where we should begin. Because that's where your sinful sinful nature wakes up when you wake up. Did you realize that? And so we might as well start at that point. And we should thank the Holy Spirit for his residence in our lives. Lord, even though I don't feel it, this is not based on emotion. And it's sad that so many people put the emotional emphasis here. And while we do not divorce emotion from worship or the Spirit's work, that in itself is not an evidence of the Spirit's work. The Holy Spirit indwells a believer whether you feel like he's there or not. And if you wait until you feel spiritual about everything, whatever that means, you will not progress much at all. And So, Lord, your word tells me that you are indwelling me in my body, that you are the resident in this this body and in my soul. And I, I thank you for that. And I think we should express our desire for him to control us from that moment. Now, Lord, I'm about to go out and live this day and do all kinds of things and be exposed to all kinds of snares that you know are laid for me. You know my bents, my proclivities, my tendencies. You know the work that is before me. You know who I'm going to face, who I'm going to see, what I'm expected to do and when, when I have opportunities to witness. Why is it that we don't witness as we should? We've not prepared ourselves for it. And then that opportunity passes by and we say, I should have told that person about the Lord. Where does, that be- Where does witnessing begin? Lord, I'm awake. You control me. Help me to, to take advantage of the things you bring my way today. And by a definite act of, of our faith in Christ for the Spirit to control us. Lord, I trust you, not based on how I feel good about it or if you're spiritual about it, for you to control me today. And all throughout the day when we're faced with some temptation, as we will be, some wrong thinking... Some off-base stuff coming our way. Some worldly philosophy around us that everyone seems to to think is the way. And we say, wait a minute, that's not in line with the the Word of God. Lord, we cast that down. Lord, I cast down this thought, this imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And I bring it, every thought, into captivity. And Holy Spirit, help me to do that. Wrong thinking or when we have a, a certain task to perform. I never leave that that chair to come stand here without saying, Lord, I need your spirit to make known these truths. I'm nothing. I, I have nothing to say. If you don't take what I've put on these pieces of paper to say and make it real to the hearts of your people, I'm nothing. Nothing will be accomplished here. And So as we face a certain task to perform, some scary thing we've got to do, some person to speak to, some act that we've got to do maybe asking for forgiveness or any other thing that that happens and and we we don't feel up to it or that we have the strength to do it oh lord by your spirit help me When we come to the word and need to be taught lord i don't understand this i've read this over and over and over again you wrote it oh by your spirit show me the truths of your word or when we need strength to be for some duty we should quietly recognize the ministry of the holy spirit and depend on him to do it through us the needed guidance the wisdom the strength he waits for us to recognize him may i say it because i don't have else to say it the most abused or misused member of the godhead is the holy spirit there's more warped teaching and wrong thinking about him than than god the father or god the son and even in our own lives, He may be the very neglected member of the Godhead, but the very one who's been placed within us to show us the other two. He waits for us to recognize Him and to trust Him for His help. He indwells us. He is there always at the service of believers. The Lord has not left us here to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature without help. What precedes that command? All power is given unto me. Therefore, go ye. He comes to our aid when we avail ourselves to his help. Again, there are two things for the believer to do in order to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Desire him to control us. Let me ask you, child of God, do you really desire that? Lord, take me and use me and do whatever you want to with me. Not just one time at camp 30 years ago or at some revival meeting or some altar somewhere, but Lord, I want you to control me tonight, in my marriage right now, on my job tomorrow when I go into the boss or whatever. I want you to control me and to conform me to the image of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I desire it. And Lord, if, if there's part of me that withholds and doesn't desire it, make me desire it. By your work in my heart. And then a trust, a quiet trust and faith in Him. Do we not trust all of His other promises? We trust Him to save us by faith. We trust Him when we go to Him in prayer. We, we say, Lord, I, Brother Lamb, I'm, I'm asking the Lord to do this. I'm trusting Him. Can we not trust Him to sanctify us? It doesn't happen in a vacuum. Where are you in this growing in grace? Are you what you were last time this year, last Thanksgiving? Could you say, I'm more like the Lord Jesus, I've grown more, I've conquered more of self, and I've put out more of sin, I have laid off this and that. Is there obvious evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in your life? There should be, and it should be in my life. Quietly trusting Him to do that. Many believers desire for the Holy Spirit's power so it can be seen. In His blessing, because we want blessing, whatever that is, we are we unwilling to make a clean sweep of the things and to be done with the idols that are on the altars of our hearts. We must be willing to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to deal completely with whatever He reveals to us. I don't know about you, but I'll just speak from personal testimony. I rejoice to say that the Lord is relentless with me. He will not let me off. He keeps me on a short leash. Like you take a wayward dog for a walk and he tries to go one way and you know it's not the right way. And What does the owner do? You pull on that leash. That's the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Why? He owns us we've been bought with a price therefore glorify god in your body and in your spirit which are gods we simply tell the lord that we desire that the holy spirit deal with us in this way and when he does we cooperate with him we repent we put off we act we obey we trust we rest every thought, every word, every deed, and that we actively trust Him for that control of the Spirit in our lives. May the Lord bless His Word to us this evening. Our gracious Heavenly Father, deal with Your people. Sanctify us by Your Spirit. Lead us and guide us into truth. And as we enter this sacred time of our church life, we pray that You bless us, Lord, and meet with us. We pray that You would do all that is needed in this body of believers we thank you for doing your work in our midst and adding to the church and drawing and raising up leadership for your honor and glory and so as we come to this time of dedication in this very precious time we pray that we'd sense your spirit in our midst and we ask this in the name of our savior and for his sake amen